Hello, and welcome to this episode of Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. We're back. We had a really great response from the first episode that we did, and so we're really thankful for everyone that listened and participated and subscribed to us on Facebook, on any podcast apps you listen to on Instagram. Thanks. Uh, We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to doing a bunch more topics and episodes. My name is Matt. I'm here with Wallace and Ashley. Swag. How are, how are y'all doing? Swag. What have y'all been up to since the last time we recorded? The grind, man. The, the Episcopal grind? Yeah, you know. Praying. It's like every Sunday. Every Sunday. Waking up and just getting in the office and waiting until kids get out of school to like actually have real ministry time. The... Uh, Opening song that you probably heard when you were listening to the episode, just to fill everyone in, that's by Ren Collective. It's called Counting Every Blessing. We want to be able to offer some kind of musical aspect to every episode, and we realize that for y'all to use that, you probably need to know who it's by and what it is. Thanks, Matt. Anytime. So our topic today that we wanted to discuss is diocesan youth ministry, or in a greater sense, what does youth ministry look like? outside of the walls of the church at a bigger level. And so first I want to ask y'all, what is your experience with diocesan youth ministry? What have you participated in both as leader or participant or youth or now adult? Um, Just to get a flavor of, of what that is. So when I was a youth, I went to New Beginnings, which is a, a renewal retreat for middle schoolers. And that was kind of the beginning of really me plugging into diocesan youth ministry and then never looking back. So um, whether it was helping out with new beginnings as I got older or attending and then eventually helping out with Happening, which is a renewal retreat for, um, for high schoolers, also participating in things like the Episcopal Youth event on a national level, then also helping out with convocation or deanery events. I really tried to, or grew up trying to, and then have now, like as I have expanded my ministry, really believed in the power of diocesan or regional ministries. I did not grow up doing any diocesan anything. Uh, I did go to Happening, but I had to go to the Diocese of Arkansas to do that because um, I had some friends there and they invited me. And I realized at happening how valuable that community can really be. And so fast forward, I'm in the Diocese of Atlanta, and it seemed like a no-brainer to me to send my youth group kids to New New Beginnings and Happening and to remind them that they are part of a, a greater whole. And it's also, I think, a great opportunity when they come back from those retreats because they are high on God and and excited about everything and to try to sustain that it helps build momentum for for the youth ministry back in the parish and now that we the diocese of Atlanta has all kinds of diocesan youth events throughout the year it's awesome (laughs) because we send the kids and they get to see their friends from camp and they get to do service and fun stuff and all kinds of opportunities that I can't give them at the parish level. Um, So it has been invaluable, I think, 
in, in my ministry. I've been doing happening since 2006. Um, and that was as, <clears throat> that was as a youth and then a team person and then in kind of an upper leadership. And I mean, full disclosure, I serve as the vice president of national happening. So, I mean, I have good things to say about it. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I've watched a lot of kids go through new beginnings and summer camp and happening and, you know, Vokari on a young adult level and have these moments and, and friendships and connections that shape them and their faith for the rest of their life. Um, but I think one of the parts where some people struggle in making that connection is like, how do you take that excitement and bring it back to the church because I also see a lot of kids who their faith is summer camp or their mm -hmm. faith is happening or their faith is everything outside of those church walls and that youth group. So how have y'all been able to rope that back and say, hey, going to your camp or your happening or your church happening or new beginnings or summer camp or EYE is, is great but how do you bring that back and make them just as excited to be there at your church? For me, it's been almost easier with older youth because then I can tie that into leadership within the church. And so since they're able to be leaders in these other communities, whether that's as a counselor for summer camp or a um, leader at New Beginnings or a team member at, at Happening, then saying, you're a leader here. You have, whether you have done just behind the scenes things or you've been a rector, you've been a leader in this community. Why don't we figure out a way to tie that leadership back in um, within our church community? And then also saying that you may feel God's presence at camp. And so in, in our diocese, at Camp Michael, that may be the place where, um, where your relationship with God began and it's the place where you get renewed each time you go back up there. But then also encouraging them to find ways to still feel God, maybe in a different way, uh, back home. And so maybe that is part of being part of the youth group, or maybe it's some someplace different. I think it's an advantage that, so kids who go through, you know, before they're in a leadership position, they look at the older kids who are in leadership positions, and that's cool. You know, they sort of idolize those older kids. And so when they, and they don't, they're not old enough yet, they can't do it. So, but they are old enough to come back to the youth group and lead games or play the guitar or what, you know, whatever sort of silly thing they saw and thought was awesome. So I've, I've often tapped them to, to carry what they learned and saw at camp back into the, into the youth group dynamic. And then they go on and they're in leadership and then, you know, you have these natural leaders who who want to who want to do that all the time, and so giving them the chance to do that in, at youth group on or even on Sunday morning or in church or whatever it is, um, recognizing I think those leaders and, and empowering them. But then it's also helpful to have random diocesan youth events because that sort of like recharges them. Yeah, you know you can't. They can't go to a weekend every month, but they can do these little, you know, Saturday thing every now and then. Um, and it and it reignites them. And I think that's helpful. 
I think it's also important on the diocesan level to encourage youth to go back into their communities to um, almost stir up the, the soil again and refresh it a little bit. Uh, and so instead of saying, yes, we want your, your youth to participate, it's almost, it's that partnership and really believing in, in that partnership. And so I know with happening in our diocese, we really try to make sure that youth are, youth who are coming up to work happening team, that they have some relationship and that they've been attending relationship with their church community, that they've been attending, not only attending church, but I think participating, doing things within their church. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, stirring up the, the soil of the church and bringing in some good, some good nitrogen back into it. That's a gardening metaphor, if you guys weren't sure. Do you garden a lot? I do not. I am anti-gardening, but I know that um, because I listened to my grandmother when she gardened. Oh. That's, that's an, an an interesting sticking point for me when I get an application for team and I have to write a reference and it's one of those kids who doesn't come to anything mm-hmm. but who needs camp and who needs to go and do these things. But it's hard for me to 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 write those and to sort of figure out how to say, I never see this kid and... I want them to do this and I want them to come to church. You know, it's a, that's a tough, a tough one for me to navigate sometimes. Do you, do y'all have a like concrete rule of if you're going to participate in diocesan programs or anything that requires you to be linked to the church that you're, you know, quote unquote attend, like, do y'all have some kind of concrete rule of, I must see you this amount of times or do I, is it like, you just have to know who that kid is? I think when it comes to to a leadership role, I think the expectation should be, you should be present in some capacity. And so present may be, I may see you once a month, but when you're there for that once a month, because I know that you work on every other Sunday, you are in. You are there, you are present, you are making your presence known you are an integral part of that group and, and also you're the MVP, if you will. Um, so then we're lacking when you're not there. Um, but I think when it comes to, I think because diocesan youth ministry can be an entry point, I think saying to someone to be a participant, I don't care if you attend every Sunday or you are the best friend and you maybe go to the Baptist church once in a blue moon down the road you should be here because this could be an experience that changes your faith journey, which I think is really important. We don't have a rule, but I like that. <laughs> well, like, cause I've seen it, you know, I've interacted with youth leaders who like they have, I have to see you a certain amount of times between, you know, in the fall before I sign off on that. Yeah. Or, you know, for me, I just got to kind of know what's up with your life. I mean, I have youth that, you know, work on Sunday evenings. So mm-hmm. I don't get to see them every Sunday evening for Sunday night youth group. But I know what's up and I see them in other things. And, you know, I know them enough to know what's up with their lives. So, I, and I think it's all about how you look at youth ministry, whether you view it as like check boxes, like you're, a youth needs to attend this many times. And if they attend this many times, they achieve some kind of spiritual enlightenment. I don't know. 
Um, or is it part of the community and, you know, a, we hold youth to the same standards as adults? Let's take a moment. We want to offer uh, a resource of the episode before we get into the next part of this discussion. And Wallace, you've got a resource for this episode, don't you? So as we talk about diocesan youth ministry, one of the things you may be, come from a diocese that's super big and very involved. You may come from a diocese that because of geographical locations or because of, um, because of how many churches you have with paid staff members that doesn't have a strong youth ministry um, or diocesan youth ministry, we wanted you to check out the, um, our, the Diocese of Atlanta's youth webpage for ideas, which is eycdioatl.org. Also, check out some of the other Check out some other dioceses, such as the Diocese of Arizona. Um, I think we also, we pointed out, like, Diocese of Florida, some other dioceses that have strong diocesan youth programs. Because, just because your diocese may be separated by mountains, uh, may separated by rivers, oceans, if you're in Hawaii, uh, or an ocean, <laughs> you should still... You should still f- try to find ways to get together, um, to be in community with one another um, across your diocese. I have this theory about diocesan youth ministry that, like places like Happening, and um, DYC and EYE and New Beginnings, teach kids how to voice their faith and their thoughts on on Jesus, on God on spiritual aspects or spiritual ideas. It gives them a safe space to figure out like what words to use, what it feels like to be in a safe community that they often may not get at youth group because they're surrounded by kids they go to school with. And so if they voice some kind of weird idea, it's like, well, that, you know, Johnny isn't going to sit with me at the lunch table anymore. So I wonder, do you think that rings true? Are there other places in the church where youth learn how to voice those thoughts or ideas? I think that you're onto something. Um, the first time I ever saw a true altar call, and I don't believe that he meant to do this, uh, was at the first church that I worked at, St. Edward's in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Uh, our bishop came to for a visit, and he said, come up if you would like a blessing. And everyone came up. <laughs> Um, and so, and so that service was really long. Um, Wait, when in the service did? I want to say it might have been the, it might have been the peace or it might have been post confession of sins. So, I mean, it, it became a true altar call and I don't think that he necessarily intended that to happen. <laughs> the other time that we have essentially, that I think in, in ministry that I've seen effectively an altar call is in things like New Beginnings and Happening, and partially because those are renewal retreats, so I think that that's kind of underneath the surface of of what those are. Um, in New Beginnings, there's opportunities for kids to um, come up, called Open Mic, for them to just share what's going on. Um, so some kids take, on, like, take, that's their time to tell us about how um, they have a dog, that's cool. 
Um, but other times, that's the time where some of those kids talk about some stuff that they haven't that they haven't been able to talk about, that they haven't felt comfortable to share, whether that's um, issues of of just not feeling as though their parents love them, things like that. And and so it's been, I think it's been really interesting, especially since like usually there's some prayer for them afterwards, um, some type of blessing that's there for them afterwards, which I know like a lot of Episcopalians, just the idea of something like that is weird and creepy. And like, why would you do something like that? But I think, like you said, it is that opportunity for, for kids to be in a, in a community where they're able to share part of themselves that they might not be able to, because they don't feel safe to do that or that people are willing to listen in their in their communities. I think that we have a real responsibility to teach the youth how to how to respond to scripture. I think what happens a lot in these retreats is we get stuck in a loop of the worst thing happened to me mm-hmm. and that's how I knew God. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I am very sorry that the worst thing happened to you and there are other ways to know God. And it becomes a, almost a contest to see who's got it worse and, you know, whose horrible thing is the most horrible thing. And I think that before we put kids in front of microphones or before we give them the opportunity and responsibility to read scripture and speak about it, we have to teach them as their youth ministers that God is present in many, many ways. You know, I preach every other Sunday and I have never gotten up and talked about the worst thing that's ever happened to me and they can do that too. And so, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough one. And I think that in the parish context, we can do a better job of giving them space to respond safely and semi-publicly to scripture. Um, just so that it doesn't turn into that every time. So there are, you know, youth programs and churches and youth leaders or just volunteers that are not on board um, with letting their kids do anything outside of, you know, the church, which I mean is a fair, I'm not going to sit here and condemn the way people do ministry just because I don't do it that way. Um, I've seen a lot of benefits from letting my kids Mm-hmm. Go to things outside of the walls of my church. <gasps> yeah, I know. Shocking. Scandal. Um, so my question to y'all would be, how would you frame the conversation of letting somebody who feels that way, you know, let their kids go to a happening or a new beginnings or a diocesan youth event? Um, what would y'all say? Or do you just respect that decision and not interfere how would y'all pitch it, I guess? <laughs> I, um, one of the, and, and we can talk about this more with, uh, whenever we talk about parents and, and kids, parents and your relationship with them, I really try to avoid starting conflict. Mainly because I recognize that I am petty and that I <laughs> that somewhat vindictive, and so and so I am really bad about being one who's gonna 
try to win that battle. And it's not a, and I and I have realized that that's not a battle that I need to win, um, because winning isn't because there's not a real win out of that. So I really try to just say like this has been my experience and my personal experience. New Beginnings was was one of the places where like I I mean I always knew that God loved me. I sang a song about it um, because the Bible told me so. And I, I knew that God loved me, and I knew that that people loved me. I don't think that I had fully processed the idea that there was this true connection between between people of faith um, through through the Holy Spirit that that we are part of that we really are a part of one body. And so then I can just share that story, like that story with them, and leave it. I would I would I mean first wonder what the what their reservation is really like what's at the root of it but I also think that if we're teaching our youth that our parish is the best and only place to engage with God then we're doing them a disservice and I would wonder what that parent thinks is going to happen when their kid goes to college um if we if we set them up to see God outside of the parish and to feel comfortable engaging in faith-based activities outside of our church, then we're setting them up for success when they do eventually leave. Um, so uh, it seems obvious to me that you would want your children to have that, but but I, don't, I would ask those questions. Our producer, Easton, um, who graciously lets us come into the diocesan office and record and gives us the equipment so that we can just sit down and talk, would like to uh, share some stuff, which is awesome because Easton, talk a little bit about your role in the diocese um, and that you're not just the dude sitting in the corner of the room. Well, he's not even in the corner this time. So I serve as the missioner of Youth and Adult Ministries, and that means that I oversee all the diocesan youth and young adult programs. When we're talking about you know ways to engage um, parents and in those conversations of why youth should participate in it, what I always think about is when I was in parish youth ministry, I said to my parents, give me three months with your young people. Make them come. Like, if they don't want to come, make them come for three months. And it, it, after three months, if they don't want to be a part of a youth program outside of, you know, Sunday morning formation, then then I have failed in forming a community that they want to be a part of. I always said, look, just just go one time. If you really don't like it, then you never have to go again. But you may have a great experience. But when it comes to diocesan youth ministry, you're meeting people that you would not meet if you did not participate. That's just the bottom line. And in my experience, when I was in parish youth ministry, the relationships that were made at diocesan youth ministry, my program wouldn't have grown the way it had grown if I had not been a part of happening, new beginnings, summer missional experiences. If we weren't collaborating with other congregations the the youth group just wouldn't have grown the way it did it will only help your program in the end um i've seen it time and time again our strongest parish youth ministry programs are the ones that do both it's not one or the other it's finding a healthy place for both of them to coexist also i encourage you that if your youth are coming back and they're saying that happening or new beginnings or summer camp is their church you damn well need to have a conversation with your diocesan youth worker about that. 
you know, I make sure that we do everything we can to communicate that message to our young people that we want you to have these experiences. We also want you to know that when you come back, that you got to continue to do the work. It can't be about this one experience. And that's intentional in the content of like the retreat weekend specifically. So it's something as simple as when a high schooler is, you know, practicing a talk, finding ways to put in there or, or suggest to them, hey, like I think specifically it happening, there's the Church Grace Caritas talk. And there's a line in there that talks about how, you know, happening isn't just the church. You go back to your youth group. You go back to your church. You go back to your community having learned stuff from that weekend, but happening is not the peak. It is part of the road. I think one of the challenging things, um, and partially because Easton mentioned it, I think one of the challenging things is that when when our kids go and do a diocesan activity and they come back and they say something as though this is where I finally found myself. This was the best. I only care about fill-in-the-blank activity. I think part of that is, you know, on the diocese and, and saying, hey, like, we're sending you back to go serve in your church and to go be a part. But I think also, as a church, we should then say, okay, what are we doing that's not that's not fulfilling? The last topic I want to talk about um, is just the practicality of this. Like, how do y'all handle, like, does the youth pay 100%? Does the church cover it 100%? So at St. James, where I work, we were blessed that the ECW said, hey, we want to sponsor something. And I said, will you sponsor 15 kids to go to Happening and New Beginnings? They said, yes, here's... $1,500, and that's what that money directly goes to. But there are churches and youth leaders that split it up and say, you know, (laughs) one-third is from the parents, one-third is from the church, one-third is something else, fundraising. How do y'all deal with the practical sense of actually paying to send kids? And is there a reason for that? Is there a theology of that? I mean, I know people who are like, well, the kid needs to have some buy-in. I don't recall Jesus ever saying that in the Gospels, but that's a whole other theological discussion. Um, how do y'all handle that? We, our kids, or their families, pay for the retreat weekends, that kind of stuff. Um, but bigger things like mission trips and pilgrimages, then we do it usually a third, a third, a third. And we decide where we want to go based on how much fundraising they want to do or how much they want to pay. So, you know, we do all that on the front end. But the retreat weekends, yeah, they pay for it. And then, you know, we know which kids are going to need scholarships. And so we have that, you know, in reserve. But we don't have enough money to pay for them to go. So, you know, and most of the families can afford it. And, And again, when there's a problem, then we cover it. But Likewise. Yeah, and I don't think there's, like, a right way to do it. But, I mean, like you said, like, not all churches have the ability to say, here's $2,000, send 20 kids this year. Not all churches have 20 kids to send. Okay. <laughs> it's a good idea to have somebody sponsor, though. I, I like that. I, 
well, people have said what you know how can we support the youth group and it's actually never occurred to me to to ask them to give money directly for retreats that's a, that's a smart idea we had i think when i was at the first church that i worked at, at st edwards um, we had a couple we had a couple families who said we would like to sponsor kids to go um to i think to new beginnings or to happening or whatever um diocesan activity that we were doing and and i think it one of the things that for me it it reminded me how important it is to for the body of the church to to be in the corner of our youth Mm -hmm. um in part like and like we've we've talked about several times um, as a group like part of that is being there in time and talent but part of that is also or yeah, time and talent, but I think a part of that is also treasure and being willing to, like, people willing to stand up and say, hey, I have X amount of money um, and I want to give it to the youth in some capacity, and I think that's a really great opportunity. Is it a good time to take up an offering? Yeah, I think it's a great time to take up an offering. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So, first off, thank you to Forma for being our first sponsor. Forma, the network for Christian formation. Forma is known for their ability to connect those doing formation in the Episcopal Church. You can join their free Facebook group by searching Forma. That's F-O-R-M-A. Their next conference is January 23rd through 25th in Indianapolis. You should be there. We will be there. Visit their website, Forma Church, for conference registration. Now, back to the pod. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. We hope you thought about some stuff, maybe learned something new. We want to thank all those who uh, rated, reviewed us, liked us on Facebook. If this is your first time listening, you can find us on Instagram at EYMATLpod. You can also find us on Facebook, Episcopal Youth Ministry and ATL. Don't forget to like us on those uh, social media platforms. We love the reviews, the ratings helps us figure out what we're doing is working or maybe we need to change something up. Uh, Big thanks to everyone who has already participated and liked our social media. Very thankful for that. We want to close this episode with a prayer. So who's going to pray? Matt. I apparently got voluntold. We've both done it already. Yeah. I mean, timeline-wise, technically only. Oh, yeah. Matt, it's all you again. I guess I'm going to close this out in prayer. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Hey, God, we give you thanks for the ministry of the church, uh, directing it towards youth, and the way that our churches interact on a much larger scale. We pray that as our diocese, our convocations, our provinces, our national church interacts, we pray that you're in those interactions, blessing them, speaking to us, making them yours and not about us, or our intentions, but your intentions and your blessings and speaking the words to youth and to adults, volunteers, parents, speaking your words, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, y'all. For your goodness, I will ever praise you. Sing it out.
now. Oh.